And we have gathered today because we believe that all men and women are created in the image and likeness of God. We have gathered today because we are committed to be, to be obedient to God's command to love one another. We are gathered today because we believe that black lives matter too. Words matter. And so we don't want to get the message and 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 the and the and the and what we're trying to believe in and push for and the agenda messed up by just saying black lives matter. We don't want you to get lost in the noise. And so we have come to say black lives matter too. And it is the responsibility of all people to look at the words carefully, to understand what what the words are, Registered. what they mean, That's how I got on. what they are doing. Black lives matter has become controversial, having become a major part of the American conversation in 2020. And many people have gotten sidetracked. And so today, we come to say black lives matter too. Listen, every human being possesses full human dignity and by extension, full human rights. Furthermore, saying black lives matter does not mean other lives do not matter. But again, we don't want to get mixed up in the minutia. Black lives matter too. Indeed, we believe that black lives are part of one part of humanity. And every since that phrase sprang into the American imagination, there were others who asserted that police lives matter and blue lives matter and all lives matter. And we believe that. And that's why today we say black lives matter too. And so today, please join us in the fight for black lives matter too. God is calling us, the church, to join in. This can be our finest hour as we rally the message of hope for true meaningful reconciliation built on the bedrock of eliminating all forms of structural racism. Now is the time for the church to facilitate the difficult, uncomfortable conversations, to challenge long-held practices and beliefs, and to ultimately stand with the oppressed. Now is the time for the church to recognize that our diversity is our strength, that, our, that their essential service to society is to fight on behalf of the poor, the marginalized, and the oppressed. Now is the time for the church to lead a new dialogue about inclusion and justice. Too often the church has been found wanting, silent on matters of injustice in the name of peace. And when the story is told, I would hope and I would pray that we are not found on the wrong side of history. As the voice of the oppressed, the church should be preaching, Black Lives Matter to the loud. Black lives should matter to Christians who prefer the social constrained mobility of black bodies unjustly incarcerated by a society continuously seeking a new form of free and enslaved labor. 
Black Lives Matter too should 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 uh, should matter to Christians, even when the orientation of those lives stand out against socially constructed norms. Black lives should matter too to Christians when black bodies are limited in physical and mental ability. Black lives should matter too to Christians who pledge to serve and to protect, yet murder the bodies of black children as if they were insignificant. From bodies murdered on the transport from Africa to the Americas, from bodies sold for little to nothing only to build the greatest nation on earth with little recourse, from bodies incarcerated and justly without due process because of race, from bodies experimented on from expediency without consent, from bodies which died for the right to exercise the vote to right, from bodies of black children in Flint, Michigan, poisoned by water that is filled with lead, from to the deaths of Mother Emmanuel Nine, Trayvon Martin, and Sandra Bland, and Tamir Rice, and Breonna Taylor, and Ahmaud Arbery, and George Floyd, and many others, and the bodies of black men and women who were lynched in public fanfare like Jesus was crucified on the cross. Black lives should matter too to Christians. And in spite of it all, black lives matter too, thank God. Let there be justice for all. Let there be peace for all. Let there be work, bread, water, and salt for all. Let each know that for each the body, the mind, and the soul has been free to fulfill themselves. Let freedom reign. God bless America. And let us add, May God bless us all. Black lives matter too. We're speaking to the message, Black Lives Matter too. Once again, I may be very, very clear. We're speaking to the message that Black Lives Matter too. Let me rephrase. Um, 
Once again, we wanna thank Pastor Jerome Hurst for his outstanding job with regards to the message. Uh, we wanna thank him for that again uh, with regards to that. And I know you can hear me. We also would like to thank him for articulating such a powerful illustration um, through Nelson Mandela and the things that, are took that, that his life stood for as well. One of the things that we wanna articulate with regards to Black Lives Matter too is that we wanted to have an intergenerational conversation where you could hear from different people in the group. Um, I should say different generations. We have Dr. Calvin Rock, who is the um, former vice president for the General Conference, who will speak last. But kicking us off will be none other than Priscilla Josiah, a high school student activist from the Kansas City area. And we're excited to have her representing Generation Z. And um, Christian Josiah, I'm sorry, her father, Pastor Christian Josiah, but Priscilla is gonna talk about her experience and each one will provide a testimonial on why Black Lives Matter too in three minutes or less. Priscilla, it's all yours. Thank you. Okay, to start this off, I would like to thank the organizers of this program for letting me be the voice of my generation. To start this off, I want to discuss what the question, what does Black Lives Matter mean? What does it mean? There's been many different assumptions going around that Black Lives Matter above others or Black Lives Matter more. No, that is not at all what this means. It means that Black Lives should be text that has come to mind when I think about Black Lives Matter is the verse, love thy neighbor. Now that is a command and it's a command that should be revered just the same as the Ten Commandments. Love thy neighbor is not a conditional command. It is not love thy neighbor only if they have the same views as you or love thy neighbor only if they're the same as you or love thy neighbor just because they have the same political party as you. It means love thy neighbor no matter what. It is not something that you can choose and pick between. So in terms of our church, 
we are the remnant church and we're supposed to be reflecting God in everything that we do. So that is why love thy neighbor should be equated and should be looked at through congregations as Black Lives Matter also, because that is something that is a part of what is going on right now. Love thy neighbor is something that should be looked at with the same reverence as any other commandment that God has given. Now my message to the NAD administration, conferences and pastors is to not be afraid to discuss racism within the church. This is such a big, there's a big political climate going on and we need to really realize that it is not a political issue. This is a right or wrong issue. This is good and evil issue. So we need to get out of the mindset of being, trying to be comfortable, making our congregations comfortable. We need to make them uncomfortable just as Jesus's ministry made others uncomfortable. We need to make sure that we're getting this into our churches, making people understand what's really going on in our society. Last but not least, I would like to address my youth. Let your voice be heard. Don't be up for what's right. Because many, many of us have different, like might feel scrutiny or might be scared of losing followers, but you should never be afraid to stand up for the right thing. You need to be the change that you want to see around you. You can't just stand behind a screen and, you know, act like nothing's going on or sweep everything that's going on under the rug. You must stand for what's right and be the change. My last thing is that Jesus is coming soon and he's taking those who stand for what is right with him. So if you're standing on the wrong side of history as someone that's my age, you need to realize that you are the future. You are the ones that can make a change in society. What you do affects everyone. So if everyone is on board with this with this movement, this country can move forward. So I advise everyone and especially my Gen Z to really just be push this movement and be a part of this movement. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of being ridiculed because even in Jesus ministry, he was ridiculed constantly brutalized for the things that he believed. And you, we all know what Jesus did and you all, we all know what Jesus stands for. So if you also stand with Jesus and in, if you are a part of God's of God's fellowship and if you are a disciple of him, this is a movement that you should be standing behind. Thank you. Wow. Thank you so much, Priscilla. Josiah, a high school activist from Kansas City, Missouri. Great stock emanates from Pastor Christian Josiah and her lovely mother, Karen Josiah. Thank you so much for your inspiration. At this time, Thank you. going from Generation Z, we have a, pro a great opportunity to go to the millennial generation. And our special guest is none other than Anissa Perez, representing Adventists for Social Justice. Anissa Perez, representing Adventists for Social Justice. Anissa, we'll turn it over to you at this time. Just need you to unmute. Thank you. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you so much for that, Priscilla. I was motivated and wow, I have to go after you. That was amazing. Um, I would like to acknowledge the passing of two giant 
civil rights leaders in one day. We lost both in one day, uh, Reverend C.T. Vivian and the Honorable John Lewis. May they rest in peace and power. And we are next to step up to the challenge and have already stepped up and we have huge shoes to fill. Why do Black Lives Matter to me? Black Lives Matter because God meticulously and beautifully handcrafted the Black community in his divine image. I have something com controversial and question for you. Doesn't that make God the originator of the phrase and sentiment, Black Lives Matter, since he created them in his image to begin with? God loudly proclaims, my child, you matter. All lives cannot matter until the Black ones do. Millennials get such a bad rep in this society. We're called privileged, entitled, outspoken, just to name a few. Something I learned in Psychology Today article is that the reason is because as children of the baby boomers, it is a reaction formation to how the boomers were raised. In psychoanalytical terms, a reaction formation is a defense mechanism which does an exaggerated version of the opposite thing in response to anxiety producing or unacceptable emotions. And reaction formation, baby boomers in our case, go to the great lengths to do the opposite of what was so awful for them. One example is baby boomers were taught that children and young adults should be seen and not heard. Now we have the complete opposite. We millennials are to be seen and to be heard. It may be overwhelming and frustrated for other generations to see that in us, but when it comes to inequality, inequity, and injustice, we are most more likely to be outspoken, even to authority, whether that be at work with our bosses, the SDA church leadership, in our communities, our circles, et cetera, et cetera. But I want to let you know that we are more than $10 avocado toast. <laughs> According to the Pew Research Center, we are the second largest generation in the U.S. electorate after the baby boomers, which has continued to shape our country's politics, given our more progressive leanings when compared to the older generations. Adventists for Social Justice has a voting initiative called Adventist Votes, which encourages our members, our brethren, to vote in every election, not just generals. Um, we millennials have political clout, which will only increase as we age, and we'll be using that power at the polls this November and every election to come. We will keep the racial injustice in mind and at the forefront when we have the ballot in our hand or in front of us, and we'll vote out the racist district attorneys, governors, occupants of the White House, judges, state and federal representatives, etc. To vote is a privilege and a right in this country. We are making sure to be seen and to be heard. We millennials, along with Generation Z, are making up the vast majority of protesters marching against police brutality and racial injustice towards the black community. We're willing to risk our lives in the middle of this pandemic to say enough is enough. Black lives matter. And it is our hope that the intensity of the protests and our action items are that we are initiating uh, are awakening the consciousness of older Americans, particularly white Americans and other non-blacks. The nation's children and grandchildren are on the front lines in a fight for a long overdue change in race, racial justice. Today and always, Black Lives Matter. We invite you, I invite you to join the conversation and action at Adventists for Social Justice on Facebook, Instagram. 
And let's be socially conscious disciples for the kingdom together. Thank you so much for this opportunity. God bless you all. Thank you so much, Anissa. We greatly appreciate you sharing from a millennial perspective why Black Matters too, and we applaud you as well as Dr. Tiffany Llewellyn for the great work being done in Adventist for Social Justice. From the Generation X is Dr. Nicholas Miller. He's the professor of church history at the Seventh-day Adventist Theological Seminary at Andrews University, and also the Public Affairs and Religious Liberty Director for the Lake Union Conference, and an attorney in his own right. So as we um, come into the show, Dr. Nicholas Miller, welcome to the broadcast. Thank you very much, Edward. And can you hear me? I seem I to have something well. of an echo. I think I've got there. I needed to close one of my windows. Uh, thank you for this privilege to address this important topic. And I'm gonna to try to do that uh, succinctly here. Um, like many Gen Xers in the church, I, be I believe I was raised to be colorblind. Uh, I was raised by non-racist parents to think very well of all races made in the image of God. And we sang red and yellow, black and white, all are loved in his sight and uh, all are precious in his sight. I was at Loma Linda Academy as a young person and it was a very diverse multiracial school. Um, Hispanics, Anglos, Asians, Filipinos, but I have to say there were very few Blacks um, at, uh, at uh, the academy when I attended. And in fact, one of my better friends, I've probably had a, a, a skewed view of the community in some ways. One of my best friends growing up was a Black son of a brain surgeon who lived in a house and drove uh, much larger than mine and drove cars much nicer than mine, his parents anyway. And so I didn't really have exposure to the black culture or black experience. And it took me a few, year, few more years to get that, probably uh, not until I went to law school in New York City, when I became aware of the continuing tensions uh, that existed between the black and the white community. I saw my first protests and, uh, and, and rallies regarding issues of race and justice. And um, I'll be honest with you, I was a little bit suspicious of them. Um, it uh, seemed to me a little bit threatening. The chance, no justice, no peace sounded a little bit like a, like a threat. And uh, I was all for equal treatment and, and opposed to racism, but I didn't quite understand. It seemed to me we had a, a, a equality under the law. I was aware, of course, of, of slavery and of, of Jim Crow, but that had seemed to be settled decades in the past. And uh, I wasn't sure what all the fuss was still about. Um, and really, it wasn't until just a few years later I became aware, probably shortly after I graduated law school, of the continuing um, racial divide in our church, the having different conferences um, based to some degree on race. And that just struck me as, as not meeting this ideal of, of colorblindness, and, and I felt that we needed to work and move away from it. I thought that it is indeed a, a racial wound on the church that needed healing. Um, and so I would have to describe myself as a, um, a non-racist at that point. And I probably would have been a bit perturbed at saying black lives matter only. And I would have wanted to add that too, all lives matter. But something happened over the next few years and it had in part to do with my study of history 
as well as my experience in the church. And so um, I had the opportunity to uh, get a PhD in American history. And part of that, of course, involved studying the social movements of our country, uh, learning more profoundly about the um, awfulness of slavery, about its long-lasting impacts, about the continuation of Jim Crow, even after the legal regimen of discrimination had changed. And I just became aware as a historian of the lingering effects of historic events and how, how it, it hadn't changed overnight and how racism continued at, in a, at least in an undercurrent way and also reared its ugly head out into the open. But I also became more aware of our own Adventist pioneers and their opposition to racism and racist treatment as a prophetic matter that America speaking as a dragon wasn't something in the future, but it was something that was seen then in their day in the form of slavery and racism. And even after slavery was over, that it was seen in the it continued exploitation and um, mistreatment of, uh, of people overseas, of brown people, of black people in the Spanish-American War. And I began to believe that the cleansing of the sanctuary very much involved the cleansing of the church from sin, including and especially the sin of racism. But because of my historic perspective, it also became clear to me that the separate conferences we had in the church, they weren't the wound on the church, they weren't the wound of racism, they were just a symptom of a larger underlying wound that still existed in our country and in our church, and that to focus on trying to bring the conferences together or do away with, with uh, the, the, the race lines in conferences was the wrong place to start. That we actually had to rebuild the trust, that we had to make um, uh, some sort of reparation, atonement, penance, call it what you will, for our wrongs, the racist wrongs of our church in the past, the segregation that we had in the church, that we haven't even to this day, fully owned and fully acknowledged and fully um, made up for, repented of. Um, we think it's in the past and therefore it's over and done with, but as a historian, I know that's not true. And so I have become, I hope, I've been trying to move from being non-racist to being anti-racist. And I understand fully why it's important to say black lives matter. It's not that other lives don't matter, it's that we know that other lives matter, but all too often as a society and even as a church, we've acted as though black lives are less important. And this little story that I've given you has taken me 40 plus years to come from being sort of non-racist to being, trying to be anti-racist. And one of my goals is to help shorten that. And, and I'm encouraged that younger people in the church are seeing this more clearly and as a teacher and a professor and a church leader, I'm trying to look at my experience and say, how can I get other people, others with my background, a white experience, who view themselves as very non-racist, to see that's not enough. And we need to become anti-racist to fully see and uphold the view that black lives matter. So thank you for this opportunity to share. Dr. Nicholas Miller, thank you for being very transparent. And as a member of the Conscious and Justice Council, we appreciate your insight, your wit, your wisdom, but most importantly, your candor in affirming that Black Lives Matter too. Thank you again, Dr. Miller. Representing our baby boomer generation is none other than Dr. Whitley Phipps, 
a pastor in his own right, but also known as a gospel recording artist. Pastor Phipps has been very supportive of the Conscious and Justice Council and was our keynote speaker in Houston, Texas in 2018. We greatly appreciate his support for what we're doing and we're honored that he could find time in his schedule to share why Black Lives Matter too from a baby perspective, baby boomer perspective. Dr. Phipps. Need you to come off a of mute, sir. Perfect. I want I wanted to make sure that I was listening and heard very clearly everything everyone was saying. And I'm so grateful to have been blessed to hear the comments and 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 the words of everyone who has spoken before. Uh, in just a few moments, I want to share that it comes to me and perhaps to you as a great irony that we are debating what God has already settled. Black lives matter to God. Uh, and so the question, uh, if you will allow me to rephrase the theme of the evening, uh, where you're asking the question, uh, or you're making the statement, Black Lives Matter too, I wanna say, uh, do Black Lives Matter to you too? Do Black Lives Matter to you too? Because God has settled it, Black Lives Matter to God. And that means if the issue is settled with him, it should be settled with us. Uh, why should we have to worry about convincing anybody? And I say that strongly. Why do we have to worry about convincing even Christians that Black lives matter when we already know that Black lives matter to God? And how do we know Black lives matter to God? Well, first of all, you know, when Jesus came to earth, lived and died, on Calvary and was resurrected, God the Father wanted to make sure that the story of his son's sacrifice and resurrection, that one of the first places it was heard uh, was amongst the black people of Africa. Uh, when you think about it, the gospel, the good news reached Africa uh, long before it reached many parts of Europe and the rest of the world. So that tells me that black lives matter to God. Another reason that black lives matter to God, in my eyes, is really Exodus twenty-one sixteen. In the word of God, it says, whoever stealeth a man, whoever, yes, that's slavery, whoever stealeth a man, and selleth him, yes, that's slavery, and, or is found in possession of him, that slave catches, <laughs> or owners who receive slaves from uh, inheritances, shall be put to death. That's a pretty heavy scripture. Whoever stealeth a man and selleth him, or is found in possession of him shall be put to death. So that lets me know that black people's freedom and their right 
to be free human beings is sacred to God. That also lets me know that my definition of, and the dictionary's definition of blasphemy is the violation and desecration of anything that is sacred to God. So the fact that slavery to me, and, and uh, Frederick Douglass also said it, that it is not just an abomination, but slavery is to God a violation and a desecration of what God's whole, whole sacred. It is blasphemy to God. So that means to me, America was born in not only blasphemy, but it was born in liberty and blasphemy. One last thing, why black lives matter to God. Someone may ask, well, why so much suffering if black lives matter to God? Why are black people for hundreds and hundreds of years suffering when black lives matter to God? Well, I think of Mother Teresa, one day someone was asking her, why do your people in India suffer the way they do? We don't suffer like that in the West. And Mother Teresa thought, and she said, you know, I think it is because we are not worthy. And what she was saying is she was connecting suffering with being, as, as the scripture calls it, to, to be a partaker uh, with Christ of, of suffering and to understand it. And of course, this is something we can't settle in the next few moments. But uh, I, I want to say that uh, no slave will be able to look at Jesus and say, you didn't understand what I was going through because he too was scourged and he too was beaten and he too was chained and he too was tortured and he too was sacrificed and he too was murdered. Yes, on the cross, Jesus in his own way said, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. On the cross, Jesus in his own way said, I thirst. I thirst. And finally, I want to leave you with this. Justice delayed. Justice may be delayed, but it will never be denied. Justice may be de delayed. In other words, what black people are going through, the suffering that black people have gone through, uh, God's eyes are open, God sees very clearly. And justice may be delayed, but it will never be denied. And frankly, I fear for this country. I fear for America because God is going to judge this country for its blasphemy against him. Thank you for the opportunity just to share those words. Dr. Phipps, we say thank you, and you know we give you leeway <laughs> because you're a preacher, and we appreciate the insights, but also the intentionality to ensure that we have something thought-provoking and something that we can take in this, uh, um, how could I say, short time we have. So thank you, sir and God's richest blessings upon you and your lovely wife, Linda, as you continue to serve him in that neck of the woods called Florida. God bless you. Thank you. From the silent generation, we're happy to have um, a senior statesman who continues to drop knowledge and insight, wit and wisdom every chance he gets. He gets calls all times of the day and night.
and he's always willing to share his experiences and expertise because he loves the work of the Lord. And that's none other than Dr. Calvin Rock, former general vice president for the General Conference of Seventh-day Adventists and former Oakwood College president. Dr. Rock, thank you for consenting to be a part of our program, and we look forward to hearing from you. Thank you, Ed, and congratulations to Orlin and Melissa, and to all of our regional conference, public affairs and liberty, religious liberty directors for structuring this special program. And why do I regard this as so special and important? Well, let me offer one or two reasons. First of all, um, this is important because for generations, black lives have been historically damaged and unappreciated in society and even in our church. I am not one of those who believes that our church is segregated or is beset with racial divisions at this time. But in the past, it has been so. There may be some individuals, black and white, who are beset with racism, but the Seventh-day Adventist Church by declaration, and I even would say by operation from where I sit or stand or exist, uh, is not in the segregated position that it was in the past. Nevertheless, it's important that we talk about the whole thought of Black Lives Matter also, because for generations that was so. And that traditional view was, and for those who may still hold it, supported by social conservatism that agreed that it was all right to treat the wounded, but which avoided responsibility for addressing the sources that produced the suffering. The second reason I regard <clears throat> from my position, this forum and what it portends, and I believe can be, is that much of black America's Christian community as victims of oppression often do, has become misdirected, not only by theologically errant pacifism with regard to racism in society, but by damaging, the damaging priority of exalting mixing above fixing in their own communities. History suggests that all of these conditions are best treated by, first of all, education regarding the processes past and present that perpetuate injustice by social legislation, not only de jure, which says it's on the books, but de facto, which means there are processes to see that they are carried out, this legislation, by, number three, wholesome appreciation for cultural pluralism the flower garden motif versus the melting pot theory of unity that says everybody has to be adjusted 
to the majority culture and that America or society in general worldwide has a certain crucible into which all cultures must be forced in order to bring and have unity. Number four, by emphasis, and here again, I'm suggesting some ways we can correct ourselves, by emphasis on desegregation rather than integration. Remembering that the opposite of segregation is not integration. The opposite of segregation is desegregation. And number five, by vigorous but peaceful social protest. Number six, by public disavowal by the church, not only the Seventh-day Adventist church, but the Christian church, the Protestant church, the Catholic church, by Christianity, of its historical social conservatism, including acknowledgement that while all things political are indeed social, not all things social are politically motivated, and that social conservatism is not scriptural, but that social activism is and is thoroughly authenticated in such places as Isaiah 58, Luke 4, 18, in the words of Christ himself, Acts 6, verse 1, and numerous of the prophets of the Old Testament who were fond of associating justice with God's character and who often mentioned and associated injustice with lack of righteousness. And there is one more reason I wish to add to those given. As our Latter-day Prophet wrote, the relation of the two races has been a matter hard to deal with, and I fear that it will ever remain a perplexing problem. We know that we cannot expect the rule of true justice, thorough justice in our society. But as with personal perfection, we Christians should not rest and cannot receive God's approval unless we conscientiously work together for its attainment. So God bless you, my brothers and sisters, for inaugurating this forum. May it be the beginning of something big, something special, something fruitful as we work together for the cause of God, for true brotherhood and sisterhood in all that surrounds us, especially in our families and in the church of God. We want to thank Dr. Calvin B. Rock for that insightful, um, provoking, and challenging charge for us with regards to why Black Lives Matter too. Dr. Rock, you're a statesman, and I so appreciate you answering the call to always speak truth to power under the divine anointing of the Holy Spirit. God bless you, Dr. Rock, and thank you for being with us today. You're thankful. I am thankful, and... We appreciate that. At this time, um, we're going to have um, Christian Josiah to come in, and we're going to tag team with these small group instructions because one of the reasons why we're having this forum 
is we want to hear directly from you. We want this to be real. We want this to be open. We want this to be transparent. But more importantly, we want you to hold us accountable as it relates to this forum. Um, Pastor Josiah, my good brother, please. Yes, sir. Let's talk about it. All right. Yeah. So, so man, I've been uh, taking a look at the chat and the chat is on fire. Uh, it's on fire in the chat. Uh, but here's the good news. We want to bring that into a small group. Uh, we want to, um, uh, and, and, and Ed, my, my buddy, is going to is going to explain how exactly that's going to work. I just want to share an anonymous quote, anonymous quote for you um, on Black Lives Matter as we prepare to carry that same chat conversation into various spaces so we can take note. Uh, of, of your ideas, your questions, some of your questions may be answered, uh, and we can share how we can make a difference in the lives of black and brown people. Here's what this anonymous uh, unknown quote says. It says, I say black lives matter because all didn't cover black when they said all men are created equal. I say black lives matter because all didn't cover black when they said with liberty and justice, for all, I say Black Lives Matter because they're still struggling with the definition of all. Uh, and I think that says a whole lot about why we are having this conversation uh, and why we're having this rally. Uh, and I want to thank, uh, of course, my daughter. Uh, that's, that, I didn't write that. That was all Priscilla. She is a she is a champion for justice. She marched with me here on the streets of Kansas City. I want to thank Anissa. want to thank Dr. Miller. want to thank Dr. Phipps. want to thank Dr. Rock. You heard all the generations. Uh, they, they, there was some heavy stuff that they, that they poured into us. Uh, and now we want to see if we can put that into practice. And so the Conscious and Justice Council, which is made up of all of the directors, all the parallel directors of the regional conferences, uh, our two West Coast unions, uh, and Oakwood University, we want to hear directly from you to address how we can ensure Black Lives Matter too in the faith community and the local community. And so we're going to have a, uh, an open and a transparent process where we'll share your feedback and ideas to assist in generating local solutions, create plenary or workshop sessions at the upcoming Conscious and Justice virtual convocation. Uh, you'll hear more about that as time progresses, uh, and use this as an opportunity to connect with state conferences and people of other faiths. What, what we want to do is we want to build um, this this platform that we've begun here, we want to put that in practice. It doesn't make sense, uh, and that's why we had 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 a Zoom platform. It doesn't make sense to see in a YouTube or a Facebook video, and you are not a part of problem solving. And so, at this time, I'm going to turn it back over uh, to, to to Ed Woods, uh, and he's going to give us direction into how we're going to break about a. We've got about 250 people, Ed. Uh, in the chat, uh, and, and, and he's going to direct us in how this is going to break off into various small groups. Go right ahead. All right. In the chat box, I'm giving you the instructions in the chat box. I'm going to give you the instructions. The good thing is we do have facilitators that are available, but what's going to happen is you're going to introduce yourself, and um, they're going to tell you the purpose of the small group discussion, which you've already heard from Pastor Josiah, because we want to speed up our time.
and we want you to provide input to ensure Black Lives Matter too in the faith community and local community where you live. We want to have everyone introduce themselves, where they are from, and why they signed up in 20 seconds or less. And then to ensure we hear from everyone, we want to direct you to the link. If you go to the Conscious and Justice Council website, the questions are located under the CJC blog. There's four questions, four questions. Why does black, why, how can, um, how can we ensure black lives matter too in the faith community, in the church? How can we ensure black lives matter in the local community? What does healing look like in the church? And what does healing look like in the local community? After you put that information in the blog, because we want to hear directly from you, then there will be a discussion with regards to what you shared. There'll be a group discussion with with regards to what you shared. And then after that, there'll be a wrap up from whoever you all select as the facilitator. And we're gonna ask that you sign up for email updates at the CJC, just because you provided us with your email um, to join does not mean we have the right to just um, wholeheartedly solicit you. But if you want to know more information about the Conscious and Justice Council, put in your email address and we'll put you on our mailing list. And then we would also like you to like us on Facebook. I want to share with you that if you would like to see a, a re-airing of this broadcast, you can go to our Conscious and Justice Council YouTube channel to hear everything that took place, starting with the welcome um, all the way to the present. Um, Melissa Reed is going to stay on StreamYard and Melissa will do an interactive um, talk as she talks to those of you who are not on Zoom so that we can get your feedback as well. Once again, Melissa Reed will take over on StreamYard. And then for those of us who are in Zoom, we're going to break you into the groups. But please, 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 please go to the website, cjcouncil.org. And then we want you, if you scroll all the way down, you will see the CJC blog where you can start answering these questions. So if you can do that for me right now, I'm going to put you into breakout, breakout, breakout rooms and um, turn over the StreamYard portion right now to um, Melissa Reed. And I want to give a shout out to Pastor Paul Young, the Communications Director for Lake Region Conference, for all the help behind the scenes with the technology to make this broadcast possible. Thank you so much, Pastor Young. Okay, I'm going to stop sharing the screen, and we're going to get into our breakout groups.
Okay, for those of you in the break in the room, I need you to join your group. I need you to join your breakout group. So please click on join your breakout group. Okay, for those of you in the room, if you want to go to the website, if you want to go to the website, cjcouncil.org, cjcouncil.org, and click on the CJC blog, you can put your input. Once again, go to cjccouncil.org and click on the blog. but we need you to join. We need you to join. If you haven't joined, please join your room. Please join your room. Please click and join your room. Please click and join your room. It's good to see you here, but in order to participate, we need you to join your room. Please, please join your room. Please, please join your room. If you can hear me, join your room. Please click and join your room. Please join your breakout room.
colleagues and coming to understand the unfairnesses and the injustices they face. And so I uh, believe this is something our church needs to come to grips with. Now, um, who else hasn't shared at this point? You can just... I came in a little late because of some, I had to come from StreamYard to Zoom, so I'm not quite sure who hasn't uh, spoken. Karen Lewis? Yes, um, this is Karen Lewis, and uh, I'm an attorney living in St. Louis, Missouri, in the Central States Conference. And the reason I joined is because I noticed I, I am a fifth generation Adventist, quote unquote. And the reason I joined is because I noticed that um, there has been a lack of the Adventist church dealing with the pressing issues of the day. Um, and I think it's time that the church wakes up and deals with those issues that are on the front lines. I mean, if we're going to be soldiers for the cross, we have to get on the front lines and be willing to be on the front lines and not be the Laodicean church anymore that's asleep and um, not dealing with the real issues that are facing our society. Um, in our town, we have a black conference and a white conference. And my children asked me growing up, why do we have two different conferences in our city? And that was a hard one for me to answer because if we are following Christ, color should make no difference whatsoever. And so that's the reason why I joined. Well stated. Um, Denise Hayden. Denise, are you there? Have you spoken? No, I haven't. Um, my name is Denise Hayden. Hayden. I'm a pastor's wife. And I've always had a uh, sensitivity for the oppressed. And in researching how best to help in whatever area I see, um, because, you know, as a black woman, I lived in a community of white people, but the children were not churched. And I made myself available and told the mothers I would be willing to take their children to church. And, um, all kinds of things happened through that five-year experience. And so I, it just has given me uh, such a um, uh, uh, passion, I guess I could call it, to be with anyone who has not had the chance to know Jesus. And um, that to me is true oppression. And so Black Lives Matter uh, started trending I started doing a lot of research how I could be of help to the oppressed because they matter because that is a uh, oppressed group and any oppressed group lives matter and they should to the Christian body. And therefore I, I've never had a prejudice bone in my body. So I, anybody who's oppressed, be they black, yellow, red, or white, um, has been the, the group that I sought after. So I want more and more and more education and, and knowledge as to how to be helpful. And God uh, has provided this for that reason. And so I'm just happy to be there here because of that, to gain more information. And my husband is right by my side. And so may I say a word to my doctor? I appreciate it. Uh, Dr. Miller, your comments very much. God bless you, sir. 
Praise the Lord. Thank lack, you. Yes. Black lives matter to me. Black lives matter to God. I am made in the image of God. Any insult to the dignity of Melvin Hayden is an insult to the very God of the universe. I am made in his image, representing him. Therefore, every man made in the image of God is likewise insulted and in, by an effort to demean my image, which demeans the image of God who made me. It demeans God. It demeans God. Bottom line, it demeans God. The church of the living God has been put on earth for the purpose of making that statement clear to humanity. Made in the image of God, we cannot insult God's image on earth. Jesus came here to give us the message that brings all mankind up to the level of God's dignity and image. It's a part, should be a part of the gospel that we give to the world. And I'm very thankful for the opportunity of suggesting that. Thank you, sir. Amen. Amen. Thank you for sharing. I, did we hear from Floyd Mathis? I think I remember him speaking. Um, Andre Luis, or Luis, Luis, have we heard from... You, Andre? Doc Miller, it looked like Elder Moore was trying to speak, but I was muted uh, and it off. Elder Moore? Yes, Elder Moore. She's been uh, you're muted. Off. We, can, we can't hear you, Elder Moore. Can you control her mute? I don't know if you're as the... As the uh, I don't... I don't think I'm host here. I've just been asked to help facilitate... And she, no, we, we can't, we can't hear you. Sorry. <laughs> We're going to have to move on to someone else until she works her mute issue out. Um, Andre, yes. Okay, yes, go ahead.
Thank you, Andre. That's an amazing experience to have been there in St. Louis. We all remember that uh, very vividly, that news event. Um, we just received a message from Edward Wood, and we're uh, going to wrap up soon, and we've just uh, halfway through our introductions. So what I'm going to suggest is that we keep doing the introductions, so the people who haven't spoken will speak, but as you're doing your introduction, and that's happened already to some degree, but there's uh, several questions that we were meant to reflect on. And you might choose one of these to kind of speak to briefly in your introduction. Um, how can we ensure that Black Lives Matter too in our faith community? And I think maybe that's one we should focus on. We can't control society. This is what I'm impressed with. Racism will never end in our society but we are promised that it will end in our church because Christ is going to come to a purified, perfected church. And racism cannot exist in heaven or in a perfected, purified church. Can you reflect as you introduce yourself and your reasons here what you think we can or should or might do to help move the issue of race and racism, or maybe better put, justice within our church community forward? Would you be willing to, to do that? Um, I, I, Kendra Carter, have we heard from you? Hello, um, my name is Kendra Carter. I'm from the Denver Park Hill SDA Church. Um, I'm, I'm leading the Carl um, ministry at the church, so that's why I'm here. Um, when I reflect on to how we can kind of deal with the racism, make sure Black Lives Matter in our church, um, you know, I think it, a lot has to do with we really need to have the Holy Spirit and be able to follow his lead. Um, I feel like I think a lot of us are cultured, you know, into the American culture, into our um, politics, into the ideologies of our family members. And we really have to be able to pray and break down the barriers we have in our own lives. And then I think a lot of times we uh, can reach each, um, like our family members, our friends better um, than we can say, you know, like a stranger or someone who just didn't grow, grow up with your same ideology. Yes. We should, you know, try to start at home and try to, you know, minister in that way because we have lots of people. Okay, Kendra, you're breaking up there, but not before we heard the main point, I think, that uh, we start with those close to us. Much, much as Jesus sent the disciples out first to Jerusalem and then Judea and Samaria and the rest of the world, the, the, those that we are most able to influence are those closest to us. Brother Bedney, we've heard briefly from you, and so I'm going to move on to uh, Morris Barnes. Have we heard from you, Morris? I'm not remembering. Good evening. Yes, I'm Pastor Morris Barnes from Los Angeles, California, uh, Southern okay. California Conference. I'm right. You know, I missed the, the previous presentations. Uh, I caught the tail end of it and then was transitioning into this, this room right here. Um, I've, I've always been a part of social justice issues. I pastored in Pomona, California, and I'm currently pastoring, I pastored in Los Angeles, I'm currently pastoring in the Lancaster area. Uh, after the George Floyd killing, um, 
a week later, I formed a, a march along with a couple other pastors and we gathered around maybe three to 400 people. And we marched with the LAPD. We marched with the captain of the police department. Uh, they escorted us there. Um, and the CHP, California Highway Patrol, uh, USC, Campus Police Officer, uh, African American Museum, and all, also the owner of Honda caught wind of what we were doing through a press release. And they marched with us too. The owner marched with us. And it was a powerful experience. And the conference president came down and, and he spoke, I spoke, a couple of other people spoke, and the captains, the chief, not the chief, but the captain of the LAPD Police Department, he spoke. It was a powerful event. And they were encouraged to see us marching and to see the church being proactive. And I believe that when the church is not proactive uh, in the community, then the police will take our place and do what they know best according to their nature. And so if, if we do not, if we are not the bridge between the police department, between the law and, and our community, then who will be? It is incumbent upon the church to step up. And, and I'm really speaking to Adventism because we have been behind the eight ball forever. And, and I'm extremely elated to see this happening uh, because it is desperately needed. And I believe it is the plan of God. Uh, he has allowed things to happen the way it has happened for the last four months. I believe to put us in a place to get uncomfortable and to be serious about what is happening in our world today. And so um, I'm just truly honored to be here. Uh, I believe that there are several things that we can do. Not everybody like to march or want to march or believe in marching, uh, but you know you can write letters, you can uh, you know send emails to your civic leaders, you can make phone calls, you can vote. There's several things that we can do to be proactive, uh, and and I think we need to remember as Seventh Adventists because a lot of people are challenged with what we're doing and what's happening nationwide. Um, they feel that we should not get involved in issues like this, but we should just stay home and pray because Jesus is coming. I've heard that before, and I'm sure you have too. But a great legend died, Brother Lewis. Um, I have a lady who goes to my church. She walked with Dr. King. She was arrested with Dr. King, and she's a member of my church. Um, these individuals, they are the reason why we are where we are today because they were beaten. They were holes they were uh thrown in jail so that we can have what we have and so when you look throughout the scripture from genesis to revelation social justice is plastered all throughout the scripture jeremiah amos isaiah and we can go on and on and on and so i'm just excited to be a part of this movement and to see what is what's happening within adventism it's a beautiful beautiful thing thank you Thank you, Pastor Barnes, both for your witness and for your leadership. Um, you are absolutely right. If our pastors and religious leaders don't take the front lines on the streets, then it's going to be taken by people, other people who will be more aggressive and violent. Uh, we create a vacuum when we stay home. And I want to applaud you for your committed spiritual and active leadership. So thank you very much for sharing. And I, I didn't get a chance in my presentation to talk about, I've gone on a couple of marches now uh, myself, and I think it's something that can actually bring the black and the white and the other parts of our church together as we work on these issues together and, and each side sees that the other cares for the issues that impact them. We bear the burdens of the other, even when those issues don't directly affect us. 
doing these things externally also fixes the church internally, I believe. So um, uh, uh, did we hear from Andreen Smith? You're on mute, Andreen, if you're trying to speak. Um, but if uh, not, we have S. Reddish and uh, Christina Wells, who was ever first to unmuting. Oh, Why don't um, you? Okay, there's Reddish. Yes, I, I had already spoken, but I want to speak okay. to something the pastor just. Well, to. well let, if that's the case, let's see if we have someone we haven't heard from, because okay. we only okay. have a couple of minutes left. Okay. But if there's All no right. one else who wants to speak, I will come back to you. But is there someone okay. else who hasn't spoken? And who wants to speak? Andreen, uh, uh, Elder Moore, I don't know if we, we still can't seem to hear you. I'm sorry, I don't know why. Is there anyone else we haven't heard from who would like to speak? Um, um, hello, uh, my name is Lorraine Daniel Palmer. I'm with Kingsley, okay. so I can actually speak. But I just want to say that um, as church members, men, members of the body of Christ, I think we all need to hold our leadership accountable to take action and come up with a plan to listen to certainly the black community within their churches to hear and to learn and to take action uh, and come up with a strategy as to how we are going to deal with this. I think violence is no longer an option. I think we would all agree that uh, the emperor of racism has no clothes on and we can, we can, you know, we can just put that to bed. We know it exists. What are we going to do about it? And those leaders who refuse to do that, just like in the political world, I think they should be voted out totally because this is unacceptable. And we have, we as members need to hold them accountable. Very good. I will give the final word to Sister Reddish just as we finish. Okay. Uh, I just want to say that um, I think as everybody has summed it up, the church needs to be more active. Uh, for too long, we Adventists have sat on the sidelines and there's poverty and there's race, systemic racism in our communities and there's crime running rampant. And I think that's those are some of the issues that the church has to really learn to get in there and deal with first. Joblessness, homelessness, all those issues uh, feed into Black Lives Matter. Thank you. Absolutely. Good. Well, we're in the final few seconds countdown. I appreciate your all your remarks. Let's commit to working together to make the Church of God truly the united Church of God. Uh, they'll know us for our the love that we have for each other and the care that we take for the problems that each group faces. God bless you all in your ministries and your activism. We'll see you in the main session. Ladies and gentlemen in the Zoom room, we're going to close the breakout rooms and go back to our plenary session. Once again, ladies and gentlemen in the Zoom who were not in the breakout rooms, we're going to close our breakout rooms and people will be coming back. So please be aware of that. If you have not had the opportunity, we're going to ask that you go to the CJC blog site and put in your input. Um, we probably have more people than we anticipated, and so hopefully um, you can put your input. If not this evening, by tomorrow morning, we will keep it up.
uh, again, as people are jumping back in, just his suggestions and recommendations uh, for healing and reconciliation. And I recognize I'm putting you on the spot, Dr. Rock. That's okay. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. All right. Yeah, I've been listening. I, as, as stated, I, I come from the oldest generation represented. I guess they couldn't find anybody older than I am, which would go back before the silent generation. I was born in 1930. So uh, I've seen a few things as that ad on TV goes. Um, and I, I have to ponder and I, I guess it's because of what I've seen and what I've endured through the years that I am, I'm not able to, uh, to, to feel set upon by my white brothers and sisters in the Seventh-day Adventist Church. I know we have systemic racism in our country, of course, and our president promotes it. Of course, he does. Um, and so it's around. But there was a time when our church was segregated. I mean, segregated when blacks couldn't go to couldn't go to the schools. or had to go in certain quotas and when our institutions weren't open. But that's all over. Everything is over in terms of segregation. And I struggle to know, and maybe some of my black friends who are younger can tell me how they are being hurt today. What's hurting them? I, I'm, I'm a little bit, now I know that there are individuals in a university or a college or a church or a hospital who could be mean and racist, but the church is not racist as I knew it at one time. We have four of our nine union presidents in North America who are black. The president of the North American division is now black. We have six or seven vice presidents of the general conference. One is a black woman and all 14 divisions would love to have somebody, but North America has one or two and one is a black woman. We've had, um, we have blacks chairing our hospital systems and it's, it's uh, for my generation and for me, I struggle to know how blacks are suffering today in the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Thank you, Dr. Rock. I think we're going to jump back. Edward, are you on now? Can you, are you going to, uh, ready to? I, I, to I, am, I, am, I am here, Melissa, but you know, you did. And I just want to say before you jump back on, thank you so much for those that stayed by with us and for uh, participating in the conversation, the private chat. We really appreciated that so much. All right. Well, thank you so much, um, everyone, for participating and giving us feedback. Um, it's a good thing when you can crash the server. So I want to say thank you. And for those of you who have not put in your input, we're going to keep the blog up a little bit longer. We're going to keep the blog up a little bit longer because we want your input. We value your input. And we want to make sure that we're having an open and transparent discussion because we know, we know that you can go back and do a fact check. And by a fact check, you can tell whether or not we actually did what we say we we're going to do. 
you can tell whether or not we actually listened to what we said we were going to do. And that is something that is very important to us. Um, we appreciate you sticking with us. I want to remind you that you can watch this um, on the Conscience and Justice Council YouTube channel. You can watch this on the Conscience and Justice YouTube channel again in its entirety. So we want to make sure you do that. Once again, we said we will share the information that received in the comments. We'll post it to the website. I want to give you some dates to mark in your calendar. The Conscience and Justice Council virtual convention. This was the one we had a convention scheduled in Glendale, California. But because of COVID-19, the virtual convention, I repeat, the virtual convention will start September 25th, which is a Friday night, and it will end Sunday, September 27th. Once again, the virtual convention will start um, Friday, September 25th, and it will end Sunday on, on September 27th. So please stay tuned for more information. Um, you, the information will be provided by your conference parole director or your union parole director. We'll have access to that information. But uh, our theme is everyone counts, everyone matters. So if you have not um, completed the census or you know people around you that haven't done the census, please make sure that happens. Please make sure you're registered to vote. Um, Pastor Jerome Hurst and Pastor Jason Ridley will be doing a voter's registration form um, next month. So please stay on tune for that with regards to voter's registration and how you can participate. Um, Anissa talked about it a little bit earlier, but I want to share with you a quote from John um, Lewis, Congressman John Lewis, um, had the privilege of meeting him here, right here in Southwest Michigan, where I'm from, at the Lake Michigan College Mendel Center. Our Congressman Fred Upton brought him here um, when we were talking about healing as relate to race. Um, Congressman Lewis said, do not get lost in a sea of despair. Be hopeful, be optimistic. Our struggle is not the struggle of a day, a week, a month, or a year. It is the struggle of a lifetime. Never ever be afraid to make some noise and get in good trouble, necessary trouble. So I wanna charge you all today to get in some good trouble, some necessary trouble. It might be messy, but God went through a whole bunch of mess to redeem us. It might be uncomfortable, but God has endured a whole lot of uncomfortable moments watching us in the miry clay of sin. I believe, the Conscience and Justice Council believes that if we look out for the interests of others and have the mindset of Jesus Christ, as stated in Philippians 2, 3 to 5, not only can we transform our church, not only can we transform our faith community, not only can we transfer our local community, but not only can we transform our nation, but we can transform the world. So I pray for each and every one of you, as I pray for myself, that we receive the power of the Holy Spirit and that we allow God to rest, rule, and abide as we share with the world that Black Lives Matter too, meaning also because all lives matter when black lives matter. God bless you. Thank you for joining us. 
like us on Facebook, sign up so you can get our email alerts, and we'll look forward to following up with you with regards to this discussion on the weekend of September 25th to 27th during our CJC virtual convention. At this time, it's my privilege and honor to introduce to some and to present to others. And I have to let you know, before I tell you where he's from, that he was in Lake Union first. I just gotta be very clear, he was in Lake Union first. And so as far as I'm concerned, he is still ours, but the president of the Mid-American Union, Pastor Gary Thurber, his lovely wife, Diane, who worked in our communications department in Lake Union, let me say in Lake Union. So it's not just Pastor Gary, but also First Lady Diane is a part of Lake Union. They were here first. And although they are on loan, it seems at an extended amount of time, I've been waiting for them to come back. We are just <laughs> grateful that they have consented to provide our closing prayer. And without further ado, please let's welcome Pastor Gary and First Lady Diane Thurber of the Mid-American Union, but most importantly, formerly Lake Union. <laughs> thank you so much and thank you for the opportunity. Well, let's bow our heads together. Our gracious Heavenly Father, what a wonderful opportunity you've given us as a church to gather and to celebrate the incredible diversity of your creative hand. Each person given their very breath from you as part of your glorious creation. We celebrate the different gifts and talents that come with each one who is part of the body of Christ. Thank you, Lord, for the richness that emerges from us coming together as one people, united in service to do the work of teaching others about who you are and of your love for all, including educating that Black lives matter to you. When we're honest with ourselves, we know we have fallen short in being an example of what we could be for the Lord. You clearly gave us a model by the way you loved and cared for everyone. But because of our sin-trunken hearts and fears, we have not represented you the way we should have. Forgive us, Lord, for this and teach us how to do better. Help us to never become complacent in our journeys while excusing or ignoring the harm done to others due to prejudice and malice. And Lord, if any of us, starting with me, needs to clear our heart of bias toward anyone or a group of people, may we take care of this wrong now. Lord, we all grieve for George Floyd as we saw his life taken from him right before our eyes. But how many other injustices have taken place in clear sight that we simply did not see as important or chose to divert our eyes away from. Please, Lord, don't, don't let us be people whose eyes are shut to injustice and prejudice. Create in us a new heart, a clean heart, a heart that beats like your heart for every person that you put in our path. Give us that divine love you prayed for on our behalf in the garden, the love you received from the Father and then delivered to us. The love that counts us is more counts others is more important than ourselves. We give ourselves to you today, Lord. You are the potter, we are the clay. Mold us personally and as a people to be fashioned in your likeness. We know as beings created in your image that there is no way for you to be fully revealed 
when any of us are missing from the body of Christ. We are praying now with people, perhaps some who have been injured by actions and words of others, who are supposed to love them. There may also be some who have harmed others and realize this for the first time today. So now, just now, we're going to pause in silence to let anyone here who needs to speak to you, Lord, personally about something on their heart that must be made right a chance to do so right now. And those of you who have been harmed by the callousness of others, you have an opportunity to lay this too at Christ's feet. It is time for us as a community to go to the cross where the wrongs that we've done and the wrongs done to us can be nailed there with you, Lord, so that the healing process can begin and we can embrace one another in a newness of life as your children. Right now, we're just going to pause for a moment to let each one of you pray silently to the Lord as we go to the cross together. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers. We are grateful for each person who helped us today through their presentations and contributions to see farther and clearer what we need to learn, to speak your messages of hope to those who are marginalized. May we take these things to heart and just do better at loving one another as you loved us. May you help each of us inspire change. Heal our church family, our communities, with the power of the Holy Spirit working in each of our lives. Bind up the hearts that have experienced prejudice and hate. May they feel your healing arms around them and, and the love from the church family stretched over them as well. May that love and grow, may that love grow and deepen each day until Jesus returns. And even as the words spoken today have enlightened us. May our future actions, full of grace and power, paint a more beautiful picture of the character of Christ in each one of us. And now may the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, when true freedom will ring for all humankind. Amen. 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 Amen, and God bless you. Thank you so much to the Thurbers. Thank you again to the dynamic duel of Orlin Johnson and Melissa Reed. Melissa for kicking us off in that makeshift um, interaction with regards to those on YouTube and Facebook. Appreciate you all doing that and improvising. Um, we can always count on the NAD. And once again, want to thank Dr. Rock, who you see on our screen, Pastor Josiah, Pastor Hurst, um, the ones that provided testimonials. I've already mentioned Dr. Rock, Dr. Phipps, Dr. Miller, um, Anissa, Anissa Perez, and as well as Priscilla Josiah, just a fantastic job. Please keep Elton in your prayers, keep Elton in your prayers. And I would like to thank our Conscious and Justice Council team.
We have a dynamic team, and I would be remiss if I did not um, list their names. I'm Lawrence Brown from Northeast, excuse me, Northeastern Conference. Um, you heard from Pastor Jerome Hurst, Pastor Lawrence Brown. Um, we also have in that area, Attorney Jackson Doggett, who also is a pastor from Allegheny East. Pastor Christian, jo Christian Josiah from Central States, Pastor Derek Lane for North Pacific Union, Pastor Kingsley Palmer for, um, he represents Pacific Union. Um, as we said earlier, Pastor Eldon DeMores from Southwestern Union, Pastor Kerwin Jones from Southwest Region, Pastor Paul Goodridge from South Central Conference, Dr. Dedrick Blue from Oakwood University, um, Pastor Mark Brown from Southeastern Conference, Pastor Moses Edwards from South Atlantic, Amira Al-Haddad from Southern Union, grateful to have her as well, and then Martin Lister, who serves at large, want to thank him. Um, Dr. Nicholas Miller is also a part of us, and Orlin Johnson, as well as Melissa Reed, and we're grateful for their participation and their support, but most importantly, we want to thank you for being with us on this journey. And we wanna thank our Adventist friends as well as our non-Adventist friends who have participated in the call. If you have any feedback or something that you would like to tell us, you can email us at info, I-N-F-O, at council, C-O-U-N-C-I-L dot org. Once again, you can email us at info, I-N-F-O, at council, C-O-U-N-C-I-L dot org. Thank you so much. God bless you. And good night.